Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Straddling the continents of Asia and Oceania sits Indonesia, one of the most diverse places on Earth. Consisting of over 17,000 islands, Indonesia is home to diverse wildlife, great food, incredible history, and stunning beaches. And it's probably one of those places that's that's on all of our bucket lists. But with so many islands and places to go, it's hard to know what to do to prioritize your trip. Here to help us to understand what to see and do on your trip to Indonesia is Kun Rush, CEO of Happy Trails, a local tour operator based in Indonesia with offices throughout the country. Hi, Kun. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Richard. Nice to be in this podcast today. Yeah, I know. We're talking and it's a a day of a massive snowstorm here in Canada and you just told me it's beautiful uh, weather in Indonesia, so uh, I'm a little bit jealous uh, after shoveling the walk twice today, but I want to I want to start first off. Indonesia is so diverse, and there's so much going on. There's so many different parts of it. Can you maybe explain to a layperson how you think of the different regions within Indonesia? So yeah, what makes for me Indonesia so diverse is even though you have um, one one country, it's actually as big as a continent. You know, reaching from Singapore all the way to Australia, and you know within those seventeen thousand plus islands. Um, Actually, there's about 10 different destinations that you can visit and that have a very different uh, feel and vibe. You know, if we look, for example, at Sumatra, which is uh, just a 30-minute flight from uh, Singapore or uh, Malaysia, um, you have the home of the orangutan, uh, you have elephants in the wild, you have an amazing Bata culture, which lives around one of the biggest crater lakes in the world. So then we just hop over from uh, Sumatra to Java. You have an amazing cultural island where the majority of Indonesians live. Um, for example, in the cultural heart of Indonesia, Yogyakarta, very close by, you have the beautiful Prambanan and uh, Borobudur temples. Amazing uh, to visit, to sunrises on. Um, but at night, you can see a local dance performance or um, have a visit to the Sultan's Palace and eat in the restaurant uh, that is still run by the Sultan's family. So that amazing diversity shows throughout all the islands. If you go to the east of Java a little bit, you can climb a volcano, uh, the Ijen volcano, which people still go up every single day to harvest sulfur by hand an hour up, an hour down. But if you look at that diversity, you hop over to Bali, for example, um, you have an island where the locals are very much into their religion and Hinduism is the main religion instead of uh, Islam, which is the main religion on many other parts. And you still see that every day. I will guarantee you, if you come and visit Bali, you will see two or three ceremonies and they're not just done for tourists. But you could also go to a beautiful beach club or a jungle club or drive in the backlands through villages, which uh, just got electricity a few years ago. Go a little bit further east, you know, almost near Australia and you have the home of the Komodo dragon um, combined with um, a culture which is very open-minded and very welcoming. And again, beautiful volcanoes since Indonesia is on the ring of fire. So it's... Yeah, it's like a continent with multiple destinations that you can very easily combine. And yeah, it's worth to visit it for, you know, as long as you can. But even a 10-day visit already allows you an amazing uh, diversity of two or three different islands, uh, from climbing volcanoes to snorkeling to interacting with the locals and having 
a lunch or a dinner at a local house. It's all possible uh, in Indonesia. Now, you mentioned wildlife uh, when you're talking about Sumatra, and uh, my kids learned about Indonesia in school, and they are fascinated by all the different animals you can see in Indonesia. However, they had a question. They said, can you actually see them as a tourist? And I actually didn't know, uh, you know, which animals are you actually able to go out kind of on a safari and see and which ones you, you can't. And uh, can you describe just a little bit some of the wildlife viewing options that are available in, in Indonesia? Yeah, so with Indonesia being so vast, the options are actually plentiful. Um, I think one thing that's very often forgotten is if we talk about the orangutan, everybody talks about Borneo. Again, a lovely destination. You know, uh, Borneo, it has a Malaysian part, but also has an Indonesian part. The orangutan can be visited in two places in Indonesia. Um, very easy, um, fully in the wild. Um, so, for example, Sumatra, you can go to a little village called Bukit Lawa on the riverbanks near uh, Gunung Loiser National Park. And from there you do a three, four hour trekking. I mean, if people uh, with small kids or something can be even shorter. And I guarantee you, you will see the orangutan in the wild. And from that, you, you hop onto a little uh, tube and you can tube down the river back to your hotel in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> this is a very easy, accessible uh, experience. But hey, if you're looking for a bit more comfortable experience, we also have beautiful cruises in the Kalimantan, the Indonesian part of Borneo, where you go multiple days on a cruise and you also get to see uh, the Bornean sun bear uh, as well as the orangutan. Um, but if we hop over a little bit more to the east, um, you actually have the, the Komodo dragon. That animal is only available in Indonesia. And Komodo National Park is an amazing place to visit. Not only does it uh, have the Komodo dragon where you can do beautiful trekking and you will see them and you go with a ranger. Um, usually people take a boat out for multiple days with a private chef, uh, with a guide, and you sleep on the boat in the national park because it's a very famous marine wildlife park. So you're going to see uh, little baby sharks when you're snorkeling, huge manta rays. All of that is, is very easy accessible. Um, and if we look, you know, even a main destination like Bali, maybe not directly wildlife comes to mind. But just 30 minutes uh, by speedboat from Bali, you will be in Nusa Penida where uh, there is a beautiful manta ray cleaning station. And I guarantee you, you will see manta rays yeah, less than five meters away from you when you're snorkeling. Yeah, there's not even a need to dive. Um, amazing underwater uh, world. In the north of Bali, it's very easy to spot uh, natural groups of dolphins uh, jumping around in the morning. Also, people are a little bit more interested in something off the beaten path. Um, in the northern part of Sulawesi, we have the tarsiers, you know, the monkeys with the little, uh, very little monkeys, but very big eyes, very cute. <laughs> uh, quite nice uh, to see as well. So, you know, combining all of that, um, you are really able to really interact and see a lot as a tourist. However, the Java rhino and the Sumatran tiger, there is some expeditions that go there, but let's say the chance of seeing them is quite small. But all the others, Komodo dragons, orangutans, tarsiers, dolphins, manta rays, amazing underwater uh, worlds. Every tourist in Indonesia can easily experience those. And they're in the wild. They're not captive experiences which I think is a very good and sustainable way to, yeah, to visit the destination. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a totally different experience when you see animals in the wild. And just you talking to that, I was like smiling, just thinking of how incredible it would be to, you know, go see orangutans in the wild and go like tubed out a river back to the hotel. That sounds incredible. Now, for people that are looking for their first trip, you know, there's there's so much to see. 
You know, most people, they look at their first trip for seven days, 10 days, 14 days. Do you have some suggestions depending on, okay, if you like the outdoors, go here. If you like culture, go here. You know, we've talked a little about wildlife, but do you have some recommendations for people, the things that they may want to see kind of as an itinerary? You know, you can't see all of Indonesia in one trip, you know, take dozens of trips to see everything, but just to get a flavor, what, what would you recommend kind of some different itineraries? Um, I always would recommend to combine one or two islands together with Bali. Even if you're, you know, uh, logistically it's easy because flights in and out of Bali are very, uh, very comfortable, very easily connected. You know, if you're really into the wildlife and you want to do a bit of culture and you love uh, nature, then Sumatra is a really great destination. You know, for example, combine it with Singapore, if it's your first trip to Asia, two nights in Singapore, hop over to Sumatra, do two, three, four nights there, see the Oromutan, do the tubing, go to the Crater Lake, and then relax a bit on Bali at the beach. Um, or, you know, do a bit of snorkeling or something in that region. Then you have an amazing diversity. If people are a little bit more into culture and trekking and volcanoes, then Java is the right island to combine uh, with Bali or, for example, with Lombok. Um, amazing volcanoes. Uh, the culture in Jogjakarta is, is stunning. It's still very much alive. And yeah, combine that with, for example, Lombok and islands where you have amazing beaches and snorkeling and it's a really very relaxed way to end the holiday, I think those are some of the more entry-level uh, yeah, journeys into Indonesia. For those who are looking more off the beaten path, you would be looking at areas like Sulawesi, uh, Papua, Raja Ampat, which are really, really, if you say, okay, I want to have a trip off the beaten path, not where many tourists go, those are the places then to explore. You mentioned trekking. And, you know, I'm trying to trying to think for myself, what's trekking like in Indonesia? Is this, you know, a lot of time spent in the jungle? You know, do you get up above treeline and have epic views? Uh, I, have, I have no idea, so I'm interested to hear. Trekking in Indonesia is extremely diverse as well. It's a bit like the country. You can do beautiful two, three, four hour treks, uh, for example, in Java, you know, or for the more mainstream uh, people who don't want to do overnights. But you can also climb the majestic Rinjani volcano in Lombok, which is a three-day, two-night or a four-day, three-night journey. And you go above the tree lines and you sleep near crater lakes and you go all the way to the peak. So everything is available. Usually it involves beautiful rice paddies and volcanoes. Indonesia is on the ring of fire. So you, you have to climb a volcano if you come to this country. And that can be the Rinjani, you know, the highest uh, one that is climbable within Indonesia, or it can be the Batur, which you climb in two and a half hours in Bali. So it does not have to be difficult. You know, there is a climb or trek for everyone. There's so much diversity in terms of what you can see throughout Indonesia. Does the food change as much as you go to different places? Yeah, the food changes a lot, actually. As I said, it, Indonesia, it's, yeah, there's all kinds of different tribes. So every tribe, every area has its, its own type of food. So in Sumatra, uh, rendang, very famous. I think the CNN ever called one of the best foods in the world, um, which is a beef stew with, uh, with coconut and a lot of spices. If you go to Java, the food gets a bit sweeter. You have uh, like fried tempeh. It's also very good for vegetarians. Indonesia has a lot of non-meat uh, kind of food, vegetarian and vegan options. But if you then come in Bali, for example, uh, there's a lot of pork available again, and it's a lot more spicy. So, you know, a journey in Indonesia, every island you're going to see a different culture very different kind of nature and the food is going to be uh, unique in every single place. But we also often recommend people go to a cooking class or have lunch or dinner at the local family. 
because the the kind of journey that your taste buds go on is is amazing in this country and um, it's easily accessible it's very affordable and yeah it, it's really a journey of the senses what's the best way to get around are there alternatives to just flying between destinations uh, or is that really the best way to to travel between destinations in, in Indonesia? So it, it depends a lot. There's been some islands because the distances are quite vast. Flights are the only options. You know, if we get from Sumatra to Java or from Bali to Flores, then the only option is flight. But if we're looking at uh, the area of uh, Java, Bali and Lombok, um, actually Java has a great rail network. So on the island itself, you can easily get around uh, by train, which is very convenient. Uh, the trains are modern, fully air-conditioned, uh, food available on board. And hopping over from Java to Bali is a 20-minute ferry ride. You know, when you're in Bali, you, you drive around by private driver. Um, and when you're hopping over to Lombok, there are speedboats take one about one and a half hour uh, each way um, to reach, for example, the famous Gili Islands, where you can do amazing snorkeling and a beach stay, or directly to the mainland of Lombok. So, Yes, a flight is probably going to be part of your itinerary uh, within Indonesia. Again, the short flights, one hour, one hour and a half. But um, as it is an archipelago uh, with a lot of islands, it's, it's going to be a combination of uh, driving, boats, flights. And uh, if you're in Java, for sure, train as well. As we're talking, I'm hearing that, you know, seeing the passion, uh, the knowledge. How did you end up in Indonesia? I ended up in Indonesia about 10 years ago. I did an internship here. Um, so I'm originally Dutch and I did an internship here for a five-star uh, hotel chain. And I fell in love with the country. Uh, people are so amazingly friendly and um, I love traveling. I love nature. And it's amazing to to be able to go out and enjoy all of that at your fingertips. Um, you know, if I walk out from the office here, um, I am within five minutes at a beautiful white sandy beach. Uh, I'm within 30 minutes in the middle of the rice fields. And within an hour and a half, I'm at the foot of a volcano. Um, you know, that, that amazing diversity, yeah, has really uh, attracted me a lot to Indonesia. And the people, to be honest, some of the most friendly people in the world. Um, I've traveled a lot within Asia as well as uh, other regions. And I always say to clients, you know, uh, compare your the friendliness of people with other destinations that you've had and indonesia usually comes in the top three and you know when you visit here uh, you will directly feel that the hospitality uh, level is amazing and the price quality that you get at a lot of places you stay i think in my opinion uh, three and a half star in indonesia can easily be the five star uh, hotel in the u.s in terms of uh, service level wow uh, i know i have some friends who spend a lot of time in indonesia and they you know, they echo just, it's just such a nice place to be in terms of every, everybody's nice. There's great food. There's a lot to see. But in your case, are there a couple places that you've been to that, you know, are especially special? You know, you've been there for 10 years. You've got to see a lot of stuff for the first time. If somebody were to say like, what are, what's your top one or two destinations in Indonesia? You know, what, what would you say? I think for me, you know, looking at that, for me, Komodo National Park is definitely uh, on the top of the list. Not necessarily so much about the about the dragon. The dragon is great. Um, you know, it's it's a one-time-in-a-life experience. You should do it when you're there. But I love to hop over there, uh, rent out the boat for a few days, and just cruise along. The sunsets are amazing. The, the snorkeling is great. Um, you know, fresh seafood, they catch it right off the boat, and they grill it for you. You know, all of that together, and that's just an hour flight away from Bali, gives such a diverse uh, experience. But if we're looking, for example, a little bit closer to home, you know, Bali, people always say, yeah, it can be busy and it's quite developed. Uh, yeah, sure, about 20% of the island is. The other 80% is not. 
Um, but people usually forget that that also exists and offers an amazing amount of opportunities. Um, I love to go to the mountain village of Munduk, which is uh, on the slopes of the volcano here. Um, you overlook fast rice fields, uh, you know, in your beautiful infinity pool and um, yeah, relax with some local food. I, I think for me also looking into the backlands and um, yeah, the amazing combination that Bali has to offer in that sense, when you go into the more remote regions, but they already have that great hospitality and good facilities, but the experience is still very, very rough, let's say very, very natural. I think that's great. Um, you know, one of my favorite activities, and I try to do it at least once a year. And if I say to the team here in the office, oh, we're going to do that. I think they all want to go directly. It's a sand buggy ride. So they're, they're kind of, you can drive yourself through the backlands of, of Bali. So it's a very adrenaline-filled activity, but you also see a lot of beautiful nature, waterfalls, local people, you know. You drive there, they, they run after the cars, they smile, they laugh, they're happy. So I, I think that's what makes Indonesia for me... Um, so unique it's that even though in more developed destinations you have this and yeah the more remote you go um the more basic the facilities get of course as in many places but the hospitality makes makes up for that easily both options sound incredible and uh, uh just the snorkeling you know one thing that i love is snorkeling but with my children it's so hard to find snorkeling that's you know suitable for young kids that has kind of a protected reef without dealing with currents and uh, and waves I'm guessing with so many islands and so many different, you know, types of water, there must be plenty of great places to snorkel for beginners where you don't have to deal with the big waves like you might have to on, you know, the West Coast of North America or uh, or Hawaii. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, for, for smaller kids, um, you know, the, we usually recommend Ahmed, which is in the east of Bali. And you can walk in right from the beach and you can snorkel. Uh, very safe. You can either get a snorkel guy to just go with your kid yourself. Usually, actually, uh, you know, the reef is quite low, so you can actually stand on the sand nearby. Um, but you can also walk right into the beach and walk to and swim about three minutes to a shipwreck off the coast and see massive fish and divers below you and all of that. So, you know, that's a really great place for, um, for young children to do it. But if children are a little bit older, you know, 10 and above or so, um, Komodo National Park is already definitely possible um, also around uh, the Nusa Islands near Bali or the Gili Islands, where it's also directly from the coast, it's easily done. Um, so lots of possibilities. And the good thing is, um, if you use, if you go snorkeling by boat, which is in many places the case, um, you will always be joined by snorkel guides, uh, and they bring life-saving equipment. The boat will follow you in the current, so it's your private boat. They they, follow, they drop you and they make sure that you float with the currents. So it's a very relaxing experience. <laughs> and then they drop you off, you know, when the reef has kind of ended. Um, so it's very, very easy going. And I think on the positive side, especially traveling with, uh, with small children or with children who might not be so well versed in, in snorkeling yet, um, a lot of the Indonesians, even though this is an archipelago, can't swim. Um, so the guides are very much used to, to keep a very close eye out and make sure that everybody is safe and they have life vests and so on. So even if you can't swim, to be honest, you can snorkel extremely safe in Indonesia. Oh, I love that. I love that. Because, yeah, it's, it's one of those hard things when you have kids, they can swim, but moving to snorkeling is tough. And, uh, uh, yeah, having a private boat go around, I'm sure, you know, having some nice uh, soda pops or juices on board when you're when you're a bit thirsty sounds great. What are the seasons like in Indonesia? Like, when's the time to go and how does it vary by where you go? Yeah, so Indonesia, I would say, is a year-round destination. Um, but like as in any destination, there is some times which are more recommended uh, than others. 
In general, for all the main islands, so if we're talking Sumatra, Java, Bali, Lombok, Flores, the season, the best season would be approximately between yeah, late March to about early October. Uh, this is what we would call the dry season. Um, so you're going to be in temperatures, um, yeah, of, let's say 25 to 30 degrees Celsius, uh, beautiful little sea breeze and sunshine most of the days. Um, in the other season, so what we would call the wet season, it's still a great place to visit, to be honest, but you might encounter a little bit of rain in the afternoon. Uh, this is not like it would rain the whole day. I think, you know, I live in Bali, days where it rains the whole day is about three times a year. Um, so that's a very uncommon uh, instance. But usually you get a pretty nice tropical uh, rain about 3, 4 p.m. Uh, during the day. So that's why you also see the activities and things you do. Life is a bit more in the morning in those uh, months. Uh, but it's a very um, lovely because it cools down a little bit. It, it lowers the humidity. So even in those periods, I recommend, you know, do Indonesia. It's, it's really okay. Um, but keep in mind that, yeah, you might hit a little bit of rain, but it will not impact your trip uh, much. And it doesn't get cold. Yeah, it's not like you're in the rain, you're freezing. Uh, Indonesians love rain. You know, the kids love to play outside in the rain because, yeah, they dry up uh, within 30 minutes after. If you look at the more remote regions, you know, you look at the Papua, Maluku Islands, north of Sulawesi, it's flipped around. So it's, let's say, uh, October to about end of March. It's a dry season. Yeah, March, let's say, to October, it's the wet season, but it's the same way. It doesn't rain uh, the whole day. So, you know, Indonesia, therefore, is very suitable for your summer holidays or your May holidays. But even for Christmas break, it, it's really okay. It's been great hearing all this information about Indonesia because it is kind of this, you know, big blank box on a map. It's like, well, where do you go? What do you do? When can you go? Uh, Kuhn, thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing all your knowledge. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome, Richard, and I hope we uh, may welcome many of you soon to uh, beautiful Indonesia. Definitely, definitely. And and for people that want to learn a little bit more, I'll put some links into the show notes uh, of the different places Kuhn talked about. And uh, yeah, it is just this, if you've seen the videos on YouTube or you've seen photos, Indonesia is just a spectacular destination that, you know, it should definitely be near the top of, of your bucket list. And with that, thanks for listening to this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10adventures.